Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong. I can change a diaper with one hand. That's the fact, Jack. And Joe Getty. Joey, baby. I love you, Teddy people. Armstrong and Getty. But I know this. They're loco. So it's a hustle. Yeah, it's a hustle. And now, he is Armstrong and Getty. We regularly play little excerpts of this tape. It is a young Russian girl. It's one of my favorite tapes that we've ever played. Uh, She's a teenage Russian girl. She's explaining to her fellow Russians how they can pretend to be Americans if they get arrested during demonstrations, and that way they won't be sent to Putin's uh, secret prisons or anything, because Putin is not going to do that with Americans. It's just too dangerous. So anyway, it's, it's her explaining how to sound like an American. I'm American. I'm American. I'm American. I'm American. Если вас просят паспорт, скажите, я забыл свой паспорт в отеле. I left my passport at the hotel. И обязательно смотрите, где у нас артикль the, the hotel. The hotel. I left my passport at the hotel. Если вас пытаются запихнуть в автозак. You are violating my human rights. Вы нарушаете мои человеческие права. Последний пункт, когда уже все плохо. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Вы берете телефон и говорите, я сейчас позвоню своему юристу. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gonna. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gonna это I'm going to. He's <laughs> so endearing. Her American accent is actually really good. I like the way she got the tood right. I'm an American. Yeah. <laughs> you can't arrest me. And also the I wonder side, if she lived in the States for a while. And this idea that we all have a lawyer, that, you know, we have a lawyer, we know their name and their phone number. That's right. Most of us do not. I'm gonna call my lawyer. Gonna is going to. <laughs> That's beautiful. The only thing she got ready uh, got wrong is uh, we don't emphasize the ho in hotel. Hotel. Nobody says that. <laughs> Other than that, it's excellent. Her her English much better than my Russian. So they polled Americans to see which Olympic events are most likely to watch. The Olympics, by the way, back when the Russians were the Soviets, were that was really the the, the best time for Olympics. It should be getting that way with the Chinese, though. It except, should be. Except for too many of the corporations are in bed with the Chinese. You can't have the evil Chinese when they're wearing uh, uh, Nike shoes, an American company profiting uh, off of China. And actually using cotton harvested by slaves. Beautiful. Beautiful. With the support of LeBron James, as we were discussing during the show. Also, back in the uh, Cold War, there were very few people who were openly, proudly America haters in America the way there are now. I'm kind of surprised by which event had the most people put it in their top five of uh, events they're going to watch. I mean, it's always one of the bigger ones, but especially with Michael Phelps not around this time around, swimming. Oh, yeah, swimming's huge. That's huge. But... uh Artistic gymnastics finished second. I don't know what that means. What? That's the jumping around yeah. with the ribbon on a stick. It no, sa- it says here these are the mo- more athletic ones, like the bounce oh. beam and the vault. Rhythmic gymnastics are the less popular ones, where they dance around with the big ribbon. I don't know why they called artistic gymnastics. Must be just the official either. name. Uh, diving is third. Beach volleyball is fourth. I just oh yeah, it's fine, but it just I don't know. Doesn't seem like it would be the fourth most popular sport uh, in the Olympics. Basketball fifth. Uh, rounding it out, rhythm, uh, uh, rhythmic gymnastics. Who freaking watches that? 
Wait, and that's on top of like your track and field stuff? That's what's interesting. Boxing is down further down the line. When I was a kid, boxing was way toward the top because we were mm-hmm. going to win a gold medal in every weight class, and boxing was an important sport, and that's where the next champions were coming from. And Man, boxing was huge. Well, and or we were going to square off against a Soviet or an East German or a Cuban, and it's, a, again, a fight for the soul of mankind. Yeah, when you won a gold medal in boxing, any weight class back in the day, you were practically a household name. Now... Mm. It happens, and they show you a highlight at night. Before we get back to swimming, here's Jim Jones won the middleweight gold medal today. Here he is receiving his medal. That's all you get, really. Yep. Uh, baseball synchronized. What are the least watched? You know, and, and the, the decline of boxing is so surprising, given the enduring appeal of watching people punch each other in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Which is going to be watched less in the Olympics, sailing or badminton? Uh, I'd rather watch badminton. Rugby or canoeing. These are all at the bottom. Ping pong. Handball. Ping pong's wild. Those people are like, uh, they're like robots. They're so fast. It's incredible. You can't even see the ball. Yeah, I know. It's, they're so good. It, you can't relate to it. I think that's what dooms it. It's, it's not like any sort of ping pong I've ever played where you're standing 30 feet away from the table. And swinging as hard as you can. <laughs> right. Everybody hits every ball as hard as they possibly can. They almost never miss. It's astonishing. Yeah. Uh, judo doesn't get a lot of watchers. Field hockey. I'm not even sure what that is. They skate it's, around uh, in grass? No, women women play it. They got those weird curved sticks, and uh, high school girls play that. That's Field hockey. different than... What's the other sport that's kind lacrosse? Of like lacrosse. That's different than yeah. lacrosse. And yeah, and I was reminded that handball, which was a sport we were discussing on the show, is very much like lacrosse, but with no net. You just throw the ball to each other, which is not to be confused with handball, which is like racquetball with no rackets. You know, it's also interesting, and I have no idea why this is. The decathlon gets a fair amount of attention. You win the decathlon, it's a big deal. Hmm. The pentathlon, which is competing in five different track and field events. Nobody pays any attention to it. Please. Five? Bullshit. Why, though? Why, I don't, I don't why know. if you're the best in the world at five different sports, nah, nobody cares at all. You couldn't You couldn't get a free Coca-Cola at your local restaurant. You're, you win the decathlon, though, the 10 events, and you, you, know, you don't have to buy a meal again the rest of your life. You know what they ought to do? You're freaking Bruce Jenner. What they ought to do is, is if you're going to be a pentathlete, you've just got to be a great all-around athlete, but they don't announce until the day the competition starts which sports they're going to do. And it might be canoeing, field hockey, although that's a team, a team sport. It might be uh, um, uh, canoeing, judo, javelin, beach volleyball, and what, you just wouldn't know till it started. I love that, random sports. Yeah. Sailing. The one person that knows how to tie a knot wins. <laughs> <laughs> the other guys, their sails are just flying around. They, don't... <laughs> they just get, it's, keep getting smashed by the boom. Oh! <laughs> Fall into the water. Got to rescue them. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was on your plane ping pong, and you kind of played a couple of times. <laughs> In college. <laughs> I'm telling you, that would be great. <laughs> that I would watch. The pick the sport out of the hat decathlon. Yes. Would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. I'm telling you. You talk about a well-rounded athlete. you got to be pretty good at a whole bunch of different things. Right. Right. You're playing ping pong one day. The next day, it's judo. And you're thinking, all right, I, I think I'm supposed to grab them and throw them down. <laughs> Archery. I've never even picked up one of these things before. Ow! <laughs> 
Well, I, they probably have to draw from a pool of like 30 sports. And so good pentathletes or decathletes or whatever would, would probably have to be at least semi-up on you're, all of them. You're skateboarding all of a sudden. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's your best idea yet. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. The and I'm, I'm thinking maybe you could, well, I'm t- debating. You could pass on one sport, but you'd lose 10 points for doing that. Here's, so you at least have to try to skateboard for like 20 feet on a flat surface. It would suck, though, if you're small and you get boxing. Oh, yeah. 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 Too the, bad. The sport I will, I've always logged way too much time with, and I have no idea how it works or what the rules are, is the bicycle race where they go really, really slow. Oh, yeah. So slow they're about to fall over, and then one of them just takes off like a bat right. out of hell, and then right. they ring a bell and somebody wins. I have no idea how it works. <laughs> <laughs> And they try to pedal so slow, they're about to fall over. The other guy's behind him. No, you're not going to get behind me. No, ah, ah, here I go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Always I, fun. Yeah. What is that? I have no idea. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. True international depression. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Uh, you know the the story. I think Jack, you brought it to us about the uh, racist comments being leveled at English soccer mm-hmm. players, mm-hmm. the 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 England team uh, for missing uh, penalty kicks. That yeah, sort of thing. It was, well, it was a world championship between Italy and England over the weekend, and it came down to a penalty kick at the end. You know, sudden death shootout playoff, and a couple of uh, uh, the guys were black guys, and they uh, they didn't score. So people were, I guess, calling them racist names. Well, here is the context. And it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that leveling racial shots at people is is horrible, and only a moron would do it. But I thought the context was interesting. There's more to it than some angry fans using racial slurs. Uh, first of all, that's wrong, writes Tim, and I don't like the racial slur stuff. But this team was heavily promoted by progressives because of its racial diversity and numerous immigrants. That's why they're so successful. They lectured the English people on and on about diversity and blah, 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 till the point that fans were sick of it. That includes the manager who said plenty of social justice friendly sorts of things about his team and his players. Okay, so bring on the penalties. Manager Southgate curiously chose uh, three black players with little to no penalty experience to be among the five in the final shootout, and these players missed their kicks. I don't know if it's been confirmed, but it's widely suspected these players were selected because of attributes other than their penalty-taking experience and skills. Wow, are you going to... Alex is shaking your head, so you don't think that that's true? I have one more twist, by the way, but go ahead. As someone who follows soccer, one of them was Marcus Rashford, who's like the star for Manchester United. So to say that he doesn't have the acumen is baloney. Okay. Yeah, yeah, right. But what I was going to, my final twist is that, and this is one of the problems, and Jason Riley, were he here, would, would echo this. It's one of the problems with affirmative action programs. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Once you get started down that path, people start making those judgments all the time. Right. And generally, honestly, it's often bigoted um, making those judgments. But I've talked to to people uh, of various minority groups during the periods of affirmative action, and they say, yeah, I get that all the time. I hear it or you hear whispers that he's only gotten the job because he's black or whatever. And it sucks. So, you know, I don't I I know nothing about soccer um, or the way they promoted this team or or whatever. Um, But I just thought that was an interesting take. Gotcha. 
actually like soccer. I just the goal's got to be bigger. Or they got I don't know. You want the goal bigger? Or are they well? They got to have more freaking. Oh, scoring. so they score more often. I see. Yeah, yeah. Although I have criticized basketball for being boring because it has too much scoring. Because well, each individual basket's practically meaningless. Soccer is the most popular sport in the world, right? It is. Oh, clearly, yeah. yeah. Um, it is slow paced, though, man. Yeah, every well, it is and it isn't. If you know what they're doing and trying to set up, as they get closer and closer to having a real shot at scoring, it gets exciting and tense. Just, you know, 99 times out of 100, the attack is turned back and they just run around the middle of the field some more. (laughs) (laughs) It's so the opposite of the sports we like. Uh, in, in America, like the NBA uh, or the NFL, they've been changing the rules over the years to make it more high scoring and more stuff happening. And the ratings have gone through the roof, mm-hmm. you know, as you, as you got way, way, way more action. But if you watched an NFL game from when I was like in you know high school or whatever, when it was three yards in a cloud of dust, <laughs> speaking of running around in the middle of the field, yeah. and the final score is 13 to 10 most of the time. No, no freaking way. You know what We're, soccer's good for? The kids like me that weren't athletic, so I could just kind of blend in on the field and just run around. That's the popularity of it for kids. The, I think, the, the, the reason it's exploded in America, I think, is having had a couple of kids played soccer a little bit. Is It is a really easy sport to get little kids in, to play. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm so against little kids playing organized baseball. It's just too hard a game. They get discouraged. They get hurt. They're bored. It's just a bad idea. But soccer, you can be very bad at it and still have a good time and generally not get injured. And then you have a juice box at the end and everything's fine. All right. Yeah, absolutely. They didn't keep score because that'd be awful. Although the kids kind of do. Hmm. I, I coach little kids soccer up through very, very big kids soccer, and uh, the little kids always wanted to know who won. It was interesting. You can try to give a trophy to everybody, but uh, the kids don't value it at all. They don't care. They don't want it. Uh, that's a parent thing. It's an all a parent thing, and and to a large extent a mom thing. I observed. No, my my kids uh, and my kids aren't into sports much. All oh, my son's going to start playing tackle football. Practice starts here in two weeks. Have our first parent meeting here in a week. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But um, uh, he's never really been interested in any uh, organized sports, and his trophies or certificates or whatever he got for participating in a couple of different things. They, they, they mean a dang thing. I mean, they're 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 in a drawer with any other junk he has. Whereas when I was a kid, you got something like that. That was a big deal. Oh yeah, you had to win something. Championship, MVP, what have you? Uh, yeah. How, how how have we stayed on this wrong path for so long? Uh, I understand how you get on the wrong path because it does sound like a good idea, but we've clearly proven that it's dumb, haven't we? The giving trophies to everybody—it's dumb on every level. The kids don't care. It's just a waste of time and money, but we've continued on this path. Yeah, the last several, last several years of our teams, my teams, uh, and Judy would often be the team mom, um, we'd like give out uh, duffel bags or something useful, yeah. a sweatshirt, something like that, that at least the kids could wear, not a stupid, meaningless trophy. Right. And And we got almost no pushback. Every year we'd bring it up and say, hey, instead of trophies, why don't we give the kids something they can use? Cold, hard um, cash. Have to- what, exactly. Cash, Pay like, our kids. Everybody gets a five dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> just give them a debit not card. Even a, not even an envelope. Just a five dollar bill. Just hand them out, and here you go. 
Yeah. I don't understand why the kids have to get anything, because you have to have an end-of-the-year ceremony and team party. Actually, the team party is a nice idea, because you've, you've gone through something together for weeks and weeks and worked hard and had ups and downs, and it's nice to say, hey, this was well, fun. It was good to get to know you. But. I'll tell you what, this football thing is going to be an interesting thing, and I hope I didn't, because um, I really encouraged him to do it. Uh, and this is a school that takes football very seriously. And he's only going to be in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they're starting practice several weeks before school starts. And it's a lot of practices. I mean, it got And then I was looking at when the first game is. They practice for like a month and a half before they have their first game. Wow. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty intensive thing. And I, I'll be interested to see if he's into it or not. It's certainly a different level of commitment than we've ever had before. In terms of just, you know, running around and showing up for practices and games and still trying to fit in your schoolwork and everything like that. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Well, he'll learn discipline. The discipline of the gridiron. He's excited about the idea of knocking people down. So, When he gets up in the morning, does he have an alarm clock or, or what? you got to go with the song. The wind is a raider, or whatever the hell that guy says. No, he'll wake he? up to that Eminem song. Dang, 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 dang. Yes, yes, yes. Get it, right? Come screaming out of it. Ah! Ready to go to school. Who do you think you are? I am. Exactly. Yes. Like a pro bowler. Yes. <laughs> a real sport. Armstrong and Getty. Point of privilege, quick point um, of personal privilege. Yeah. So many Americans believe yada, yada, yada. This is Armstrong and Getty. The lunacy of this, this exercise. What do you call it? Uncomfortable clarity? Hey, man. All right, go, go. <clears throat> I'm ready. Here's Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. So a couple of uh, stories about uh, the ups and downs of humanity, including uh, many of us. Uh, yourselves, ourselves. Um, first of all, depression. There is work going on. Um, America has got, I was just talking about this with, uh, with uh, one of my kids. We have finally gotten past this idiotic paranoia about doing any study of drugs that are ever used recreationally. Because there was a, it was around the Nixon administration that if there's any drug that anybody took to get high, the, the universities and the labs were banned from doing any experiments on positive uses of it. It was bizarre. It was almost like a fear of witches to me. Well, they're doing incredibly promising experiments now with psilocybin, the active ingredient in so-called magic mushrooms, uh, with depression. And it looks like it could be an enormous breakthrough. This article in Newsweek annoyingly and stupidly refers to them as magic mushrooms throughout the article. <laughs> that doesn't I mean, help. That's not helping. No, it really isn't helping, and it's childish. It's it's a it's a it's a series of chemicals. All right. Um. And then, oh my God, they go into some in the mental health profession believe the risks, or there are still risks. People might blah blah blah. Just shut up. Um. But some of these studies have shown, uh, I hate when the page resets on me, um, uh, results that absolutely smoke, no pun intended, um, the results of some of the traditional therapies, um, the uh, the drugs that uh, everybody takes for depression these days. So keep your, your eye on it. Like your Wellbutrin, Lexapro, all that stuff? 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. The classics. And, uh, yeah, again, this the website has gotten completely screwed up on me. But anyway, it's, it's super effective. It seems people who have not responded, the 30% of so of people who do not respond to any other treatment are having fabulous results with this. It has a way of, of, of resetting the brain and completely altering people's perspective on themselves, their problem, and the world around them. Interesting. So yeah. I definitely believe uh, um, depression is a thing, and uh, it'd be nice to have drugs that help people with that. The part that I don't get, and I mean, like I've, I've even talked to doctors about this, therapists about this, and I still don't quite understand, is... Um, are, are we supposed to drug ourselves out of ever feeling bad? Because it seems to get recommended regularly when people feel bad, when there are legitimately bad things going on in your life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't get that. If there are bad things going on in your life and you're sad about it, isn't that the way you're supposed to feel? Should we, should people be drugging themselves out of that? Yeah. Like, yeah, like it's, I know it's a great question. I know the doctor bringing up to me he said, like, everybody has gone on some sort of thing. Um, during the uh, during COVID over the last year and a half. He said patients that have never brought it up before were like feeling really down and they're on this or that. And I thought, well, if people are down because you're not going into the workplace and seeing your friends and not you know doing any of the normal things you do and it's making you feel bad, is that something you should take a drug for? Well, no, clearly not. And, and the pharmaceutical industry has a, and the medical industry for that matter has a pretty well established history of chucking pills at every problem. And I don't and actually over prescribing. I don't know if anybody even knows this or not, but if you take medicine because you feel bad during something that's actually bad, is that not dealing with it? Or is that a good idea to not have to feel bad while it's happening? And then when it's over, it'll be fun. I, I don't actually know. I don't think anybody knows. No, I think the Bible speaks to that sort of thing. But, it, you know, it's a question of degree, too. You know, for everything, there's a season. Um, mm-hmm. uh, time to laugh, time to cry. Um, uh, anyway, so they are describing the experiences of one guy who has impenetrable depression. And, and that's more than just feeling sad. Sure, it's absolutely. When, you know, you get a chance to be with your friends and go back to work and the rest of it, and you just can't. You won't. You don't. Right. You don't want to. So as he was, uh, they gave him this dose of psilocybin. And, um, Which is considered a physical illness. Depression. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Your brain chemistry's out of whack. But anyway, so as he, uh, as he was there in the session, he wasn't thinking about, um, you know, they mentioned a couple of things, kind of a distraction. He was a seven-year-old kid again, sitting in a church pew with his family during a Sunday sermon. He and his two brothers were trying to make one another laugh. I could actually feel my brothers on either side of Ooh. me and just how much fun it was. Wow. And I just felt how much love I have for my brothers and my parents. It's one of those moments where you make each other laugh until you cry. The church scene morphed into other visions. Presley saw his own funeral, that of his parents, and those of others he loved, all of whom were still alive. He traced a possible future with his girlfriend. He sobbed so hard it felt as if he'd been kicked in the stomach and conversely felt his body flood with pure joy and gratitude. Presley, which is his name, knew what he was experiencing wasn't technically real, but the scenes were so detailed, so infused with passion and meaning, they felt real. When it was all over, after he'd processed it with his facilitators, something had shifted. In the weeks and months that followed, the visions of joy and meaning he'd glimpsed became his guidestones. 
He joined a musical choir because singing gave him joy. Um, he began uh, attending social events. He made an effort to reconnect with old friends and family members. With the aid of therapists, were on hand to help him integrate his experience. He made a to-do list of actions he could take if or when the darkness returned. Call a friend or loved one, go to a climbing gym, lift weights, sing, play the piano, etc., etc. Um, and this guy who just, it, it, it seems to clear out the crud and how this works, who knows? That, that, that like uh, suffocates you into depression. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's wild. And don't, and again, I, you know, I, I, I'm too serious about everything. Um, but the idiotic ma- magic mushroom jokes, just don't do it. There are people who are suffering that can really be helped by this. So anyway, um, and I want to tell you about the California has got a program for getting people off drugs, meth in particular, that the first time I saw it, I thought it was idiotic. The more I looked into it, I think it's a good idea. So I changed my mind. Nice. Maybe you will be, too, paying people not to do drugs. Joe's practically a pusher this segment. Mm, do drugs, kids. That's the key. Um, so uh, Simply Safe Home Security, beloved sponsor of the Armstrong and Getty Show, has this brand-new wireless outdoor security camera. And then we'll get to the meth thing. Um, perhaps you're tweaking right now. This will be for you. Uh, but perhaps uh, tweakers are stealing your stuff. You really want to learn about this wireless outdoor security camera. The fact that Simply Safe is already the best home security system of the year, according to U.S. News and World Report, is exciting. The fact that they're adding this camera in that integrates perfectly with your Simply Safe home security system that hopefully you already have, but you can get them both. This camera, ultra wide, 140 degree field of view, so you can watch your entire yard or front street. 1080p HD resolution, eight times zoom. So you're really going to be able to see what's going on. Built-in spotlight, color night vision. It's battery-operated, so it doesn't need to be near a, an outlet. Yeah, on a practical level, the Zoom, you can see a face. You can see a license plate. You're going to know who did what. So learn more about the exciting new Simply Safe wireless outdoor security camera. Visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Simply Safe is knocking 20% off your entire new system, and your first month of monitoring is free when you enroll in interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. This camera is badass simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So anyway, luckily I'm not afflicted with uh, severe depression, nor am I a meth addict, but... That's handy. I first saw this story on uh, NPR's website, and they were saying, oh, this is a lovely idea. California is paying drug addicts not to do drugs. And I thought, yet another idiotic, feel-good, wasting money, making it easy to be a junkie program. Well, you might... uh, You can be the judge of that. Because I'm not 100% on board, but they talk about this guy who's got a meth addiction. And he's going to a treatment program in San Francisco three times a week. Three times a week, he pees in the cup. If it's negative, he gets about $7. $7, you're thinking, who cares? But this guy um, says it, it's keeping him going. At the end of 12 weeks, if all of his drug tests come back negative, he gets about $330. But turns out it's not about the money. This guy says, it's about being told, good job. It was the first opportunity where I was like, I have self-worth still. It's buried, but this person sees it and is willing to reward me just for taking care of myself. It turned out to be very motivating for me. And that's what the, what they say is, um, it's called contingency management. Um, they're used widely in weight loss, fitness programs, in families as parents coax their children into adopting good behaviors rather than just punishing them for poor behaviors. And addiction specialists said something that kind of caught my ear. 
and this is oh it's it's been super successful in the VA by the way they've been using the same technique says this uh, uh, a clinical psychologist at the Philadelphia Center for Substance Addiction Treatment and Education who helped launch the VA's program. Patients often come to treatment ambivalent about changing. Why? Because substance use is so seductive. It provides powerful, immediate reinforcement, whereas recovery, its immediate consequences are often unpleasant. Withdrawal symptoms, a clear-eyed view of the devastated yeah. landscape. yeah. That, that you've made of your life, et cetera. It's miserable. Contingency management embraces this challenge head on by offering immediate rewards and reinforcement for abstinence. The small payments or prizes aim to rewire the brain's reward system so the person seeks the money or gift card to get a dopamine release instead of the meth or coke. Well, and it seems silly an amount that small, but they see it working like crazy. Well, I, as a conservative, am all for it. You, you do some sort of experiment. And see what the results are. And if right. it works, you keep doing it. And if it doesn't, you end it. So, so simply, beautifully true, and so ignored in government policy. Unless this article is just blatantly dishonest, the VA says it's been terrific. Hmm. So, again, just does it work? Bring yeah. us data. It doesn't make sense to me, but it doesn't need to make sense to me. Now, I'm surprised that that little amount works, but if that's the way the brain works, that's the way the brain works. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and at the end you get three hundred and thirty bucks, which is you know Ain't pretty nothing. good sum, huh? Yeah. A little pizza money, a little walking around money. Maybe some shoes that aren't crushed in the back. I noticed that a lot of your drug addicts shuffling around out there. Their shoes are always crushed in the back. Is that just an unwillingness to put your shoes on properly? What is it with the what are you homeless? What is what is it with that? Why don't you put well, your shoes on properly? <laughs> I'll get you some Crocs if you like that feel. I guess that's the least of your problems. Yeah. Pull on your shoes properly. It's the first step to a better life. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So, Jack, I, I guess a tsunami isn't, uh, that's the, or that's a, uh, like a earthquake driven tidal wave. I was going to say, speaking of weather phenomenon, but I guess it's not weather, is it? Not really. It's more geology. Hmm. Well, nonetheless, whatever it is, there is a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. There's a tsunami of wokeness. <laughs> means means you're a loser. Oh, that's beautiful. Is that the Chinese national anthem, Michael? Fantastic. It's funny. It doesn't have that anywhere. All right, let me get stopped. There's a, there is a tsunami awoke. There's a couple stories for you here. This is it's so old hat at this point. Uh, you know, I'll bring you one or two more of these, and it's just too obvious. Jack, l- let me see if you can guess the end of the story. There was a terrible incident at Emory University. Somebody spray-painted racist graffiti. Racial slurs written near the workspace occupied by two African-American women. Also a swastika painted near the office of a Jewish individual. Now you get to guess. Who do you think did it? <laughs> you might guess a Klansman. You might guess a racist <laughs> no, undergrad. No, no, you wouldn't. If you've been following the news, that's not who you would guess. <sighs> When's the last yeah. time somebody actually painted a swastika on something in a college campus when it was a racist nut job and not the professor on painting their own door? 
Yeah, let me answer in this way. The uh, suspected vandal is a black man, ex-Emory University employee, activist, etc., who wants everybody to know how much racism there is, but there's not quite enough, so he created some. If there, and let me answer Jack's question this way. If there is racist graffiti, a noose, swastika, whatever, on a college campus, there's a 75% chance it was a lefty activist who wanted to whip it, whip up a little more racism to be afraid of. There's a 20% chance it was a f- stupid drunk frat boy who just knew he would get a reaction. And there remains a 5% chance, 1 in 20, it's an actual racist. But I don't recall the last one. And then one more bit of tsunami of wokeness for you. There's uh, a tsunami that, of wokeness. There is, there is indeed a tsunami of wokeness. Scientific American, one of the great serious publications of the 20th century, has gone nutty and woke. And in a story published Thursday titled, Why the Term Jedi is Problematic for Describing Programs that Promote Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Now, apparently, some people use that nickname. I was unaware of it. They, they, they summarize justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion as Jedi. But the five authors agree. Five authors? How many friggin' authors you need? What, you, one of you handle the nouns, one of the verbs, the other the punctuation, or what? what? How does that work? Anyway. Stroll, y'all. I hate committees. I hate work. You know, when we have group projects in school? Oh, I, I hated that. Oh. I bristled at oh. it. Oh. Which, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing. Anyway, uh, but the five authors of this, uh, this piece argue the Jedi are inappropriate mascots for social justice. Uh, they say the scientific world should jettison the Jedi, including naming anything after them or displaying any Star Wars memorabilia in common workspaces because the space knights are, quote, emblems for a host of dangerously reactionary values and assumptions. Oh boy. Among the evidence the article cites, the Jedi are a religious order of intergalactic police monks prone to (laughs) white saviorism and toxically masculine approaches to conflict resolution. Are you you positive this isn't a uh, like James Lindsay sort of (laughs) jerk us around to see if we'll actually fall for it? No, They're it's serious. dead serious. Okay. How do you even write parody you these days? You can't. you can't tell the difference between the jokes and the real stuff. All right. Which, so, which was the point <clears throat> of the fake stuff. Exactly. Exactly. So, again, <clears throat> let me finish this uh, sentence if I can without busting into laughter. The Jedi are a religious order of intergalactic police monks prone to white saviorism and toxically masculine approaches to conflict resolution. For instance, violent duels with phallic lightsabers. Oh, right. The lightsabers are phallic. Plus gaslighting by means of Jedi mind tricks, etc. Do you think swords in the Middle Ages were popular because they're phallic, or just because it was like the best way you could craft steel to chop another person down in a battle? No, it was phallic. It was a symbol. There was very little justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in the Middle Ages. I don't want to talk about it. They go on to argue, Star Wars arguably conflates alienness with non-whiteness, seeming to rely on racist stereotypes when depicting non-human species. God, you people are actually, actually crazy. And I got to believe if you see this sort of stuff everywhere you look, it makes you miserable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's what they like, though. 
They'd rather be horrified than happy. Plus, the franchise's cultural footprint can be tracked in the saga of the United States military industrial invention and investment and expansion. Uh, oh, that just gets boring. Uh, those unfamiliar, uncomfortable with Star Wars, including those hurt by the messages it sends, may feel alienated by the parade of jokes, puns, and references surrounding the term Jedi. And finally, the article concludes by saying readers who might react defensively, like saying, you're stupid and crazy, for instance, should ask themselves, <laughs> you're stupid and crazy. <laughs> <laughs> if you react that way, to this wisdom, you should ask yourself, friends, and I'm talking to you now. Why are you prioritizing the cultural dreamscape of the Jedi over the real world project of social justice? Yeah. Oh, they got me there. They got me there. Because uh, the movies are entertaining and harmless and you're crazy and stupid or stupid and crazy or crazy stupid. <laughs> That is unbelievable. The Jedi are a religious order of intergalactic police monks prone to white saviorism and toxically masculine approaches to conflict resolution like violent duels with phallic lightsabers. (laughs) Again, I can't tell if that's a parody to see if I'll fall for it or the real thing, and I'm not sure it makes any difference. Armstrong and Getty. 